We are in our third week of this series that we started a few, well, three weeks ago, uh, called Shifting Gears. And the reason why we are doing this series called Shifting Gears is because we want to spend a few weeks on talking about what does it mean for us to connect with God. And when we say connect with God, what we mean is that we believe that we can have meaningful connection with God emotionally, intellectually, relationally, and spiritually. That it's not just about this list of do's and don'ts, that, that, that following Christ is not just a bunch of rules, but that there's actual relational connection with God. And for many of us, we've heard of this idea, or we know this idea, but we're wondering how many of us really know this idea? How many of us experience God in a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis? Now, for some of us, This whole idea of connecting with God may sound kind of foreign to you. It may sound a little uncomfortable, out of your comfort zone. For others of us, this may bring up memories. You know that time when that season that you were super close and connected with God? Whatever it is you were going through that you just, you knew that God was was right there with you, that you were in step together. For some of us, we have those kind of memories. For others of us still, maybe we're in a rut. We're in a rut of what it means to connect with God, that we kind of go through the motions, that at one point maybe our time reading the Bible or praying was meaningful, but now it just feels like another chore to do throughout the day. You see, there's this idea that that connecting with God, that, that, that he wants to connect with us. I mean, let that sink in for a moment. It's easy to forget that, isn't it? That the king of the universe, the creator of all things, the most powerful being in all of history in the universe and ever will be, the the king of kings and, and lord of lords wants to connect with you personally. He knows you by name. That he wants that, that he's looking for that, that he's waiting for that. In fact, let me ask you this. How is your connection with Jesus right now? How would you describe that? Would you describe it as intimate and close? Would you describe it as distant? Would you describe it as complicated? How would you describe your connection to Jesus? I think wherever we land on that, chances are most of us who are listening right now would desire to have a a more deeply and intimate connection with him if if we were honest. And so here's the thing, For, for many of us, here's what our connection with God looks like, okay? And I'm not dogging on anybody. In fact, this is true for me at times. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain, I'm going to illustrate what oftentimes our connection with God looks like by picking on my marriage a little bit, okay? So my wife's name is Renee, and uh, and we've been married, it'll be 20 years next month. And I can't believe she's put up with me for that long. And so uh, it's great. Thank you for that. Uh, But let's just pretend that my relationship, my connection with my wife is like my connection with God at times, okay? Here's what that would look like is that once a week on Sunday mornings, we would get together and, uh, and we would sit and, and talk and, and I would open up her biography and I would read a little bit about her. And then I would be sure to, to tell her all the things I need her to do that week. All right, you already see where this is going. Here, Renee, here's what I need you to do. Here's what I need your help with. Here's what I need you to fix, okay? And, and oh, by the way, you're pretty, okay, our 60 minutes is up and then out the door I go. Now, throughout the week, um, I might run into a problem or two here or there, and so I'd be sure to text her a, a little text and say, hey, I really, really need you to do this today. If you, could, if you could do that, that'd be awesome. By the way, you're pretty. Thanks a lot. 
Every now and then when I feel guilty, I'll open up her biography and I'll, and I'll read a little bit. You see where this is going? Like, this is not going to go well for my marriage, is it? It's not. However, that illustration rings true for many of us when it comes to our connection with God, doesn't it? That we have a set time during the week. That we, that we tell him all of our to-do lists or, or all the things we want him to do. Right? If we feel guilty, we'll, we'll maybe read about him or, or say a few words to him. But, but man, that is not any sort of, that, that's not the kind of connection that God is wanting for you and for me. And so here's our question is, what if, what if we, what if you could connect with God in a deep, intimate way every moment of every day? No matter what it is you're facing, no matter what it is you're going through, no matter if you're at work or at home or, or, or frustrated or angry or sad or happy or joyful or whatever it is, what if you could connect with God in a deep, intimate way every moment of every day? And we think that we can. We think that that's what he wants. And so that's why we're doing this series called Shifting Gears. And this whole, uh, this whole series is based on this leadership tool that we as a staff here at Crossroads have been doing through the giant leadership training uh, called Giant. Uh, and one of the tools that they give us is this image right here called, uh, called the five gears. Okay, now this five gears, this is, this is a way that through which, this is a lens through which we as leaders, as, as family members, as coworkers, we should be operating in these five gears every single day, all right? And so uh, in terms of leadership and relationship with one another, the first gear is the recharge mode that all of us need time away, don't we? You especially know this if you're in a busy season of work, if you're, if you're working too much, if you, if you love to work too much, and you know, man, I just need a, I need a day off, I need a break, that every single one of us need to be in gear one. We need to rest. Gear two is connect mode. Every single one of us, we need to be connecting with our coworkers, with our families. We need to be able to have set aside those times where we're not just ticking off to-do list items, but that we're actually sitting down and engaging. Maybe this looks like over a lunch or a, a, co a conversation over coffee or a heartfelt conversation with your spouse or your kids. We're gonna skip gear three for a moment. I'm gonna come right back to that. Gear four is task mode, okay? Now, this is where a lot of us love to live, especially us Westerners. We love task mode. I mean, how many of you would say loud and proud that, you love, that you're a multitasking genius. Come on, raise your hands, don't be ashamed. All right, we got a few of you brave ones. Okay, there's probably a lot of people who are lying, or maybe you're multitasking at the moment, and so, which means you're not actually multitasking if you weren't listening to that. But we love multitasking, we love the to-do list, we love ticking off all the things we have to do, and then finally the focus mode. This is the intentional, all of my energy, all of my focus, everything that I have is going into one thing. I'm not doing anything else. I'm not talking to anybody else. I'm, I'm just uh, focused. Everything I have is focused in this one area. Now, here's the thing with these gears is that some of these gears are going to be more natural for us and other gears are going to be more difficult for us. So for me, one of the more, more difficult gears is the gear we're talking about today, which is gear three. See, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. I, I don't mind getting up in front of people and talking, but when it comes to like mingling, man, my, my, my resources just drain, all right? Anybody with me? Like, like the, the, I just need to be alone if I'm gonna drain, if I'm gonna recharge, I need to be alone. But here's, here's what gear three looks like. It's, it's mingling, there's no set agenda. You're not diving deep. You're not getting work done. 
okay? You're just enjoying each other. Maybe you're having a meal together, uh, you're catching up, maybe you're talking in the lobby after service while you're eating a crumble cookie, all right? You're just catching up on life. You're, you're relaxed. This is where, gear three is where people get to know you and you get to know them. You're not trying to, to impress or, or put on a show. You're just simply enjoying time together. You're telling funny stories. Gear three is where uh, inside jokes live. All right, gear three is where you're, you're genuinely interested in each other. Now, the reason why, like I said, this can be difficult for me, not only because I'm an introvert, but it also can be difficult for me in my relationship with God. Because I'm just gonna be honest, what does it mean that, that I get to be friends with the one who thought all this up? <laughs> I mean, it's easier, isn't it, to, to think of God as the King of Kings, as the, as the Almighty Creator, as our Savior, as our Lord, than it is to think of Him as our friend? I mean, what does it really mean to engage with God as our friend? But here's the thing, is as we go through these gears, I'm wondering if, if any of them stick out to you as more difficult. Are there any that, that when it comes to relating to God, that, that you're like, man, that's a difficult one for me. And the whole premise of this series is this, is that like leadership and intentionally being each of these five years every day, what would it look like for us to be intentionally in each of these gears every day in terms of our connection with God? Meaning that every day, week one, we talked about rest, that every day we're, we're setting aside time to just be to just be quiet with God, to just be in his presence, to maybe say a prayer, to just reflect, to, to, to rest. Last week we talked about prayer, that, that we're invited into this communication with God, that we can sit in our rocking chair and have heart-to-heart -heart deep conversations with him. Today we're looking at what does it mean to be friends with God. Next week we're going to look at what does it mean for us to, to go throughout our days with all the menial tasks that we have to do, like grocery shopping and dropping kids off at school and getting gas and, and all the other stuff that we have to do. What does it mean to connect with God through our to-do lists? And then finally, our, or then gear five is going to be what does it look like for us to connect with God in a focused, intense mode? And then wrapping up the series with reverse, our responsive mode, is what does it look like to Repent? What does it look like to apologize? What does it look like to, to go to God and, and turn back from whatever it is that we need to turn back from? And the question is this, is, what, is what, what if God is waiting for you in a different gear? You see, for those of us who have connected with God in a certain gear over time, after a while we get into a rut. And, and the question is, is, what if God is waiting for you in a different gear? What if for some of you today, God is inviting you to engage him, to experience, to connect with him in a different gear. That's why we're doing this series. And so as we look at gear three today, we're going to be looking at what does it mean for us to be friends with God. And in John chapter 15, Jesus, who's sitting with his disciples, he's sitting there with them, giving, him some, giving them some final instructions before he is arrested and crucified, before he's about to leave them, before he's, uh, all things are going to change, their world is going to be turning upside down for his disciples. And he's sitting around with them in a circle, and he's telling them some very, very important things. And he says this in verse 12. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. 
But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. We're going to come back to these verses here in just a moment. But what I wanted to show you here is, is a, a, a friend diagram, all right? So the, in this friend diagram, and there's lots of different versions of this. If you look, you can find lots of different theories around how our friendships work and, and, and how uh, our relationships work. And, but, but, but here's one diagram that kind of helps us understand on a human level our, our friendships, okay? So the center circle is our best friends. Our best friends are the ones that we talk with maybe on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. Our best friends are the ones that, that know more about us than, than anybody else. Okay, these, these are the friends that you're talking about when you're thinking about making a change at work or, or you're having difficulty in, in your family or there's health issues going on or whatever. These, these are the friends where you help raise each other's kids. Okay? You, you have meals together. These, these are the best friends. And some studies have shown that most of us, we only have enough emotional capacity to have just a few of them. Like maybe up to five, some studies say that. Up to five best friends. From there, you have your good friends. Now, these are the people that are still, you'd consider them good friends. They're just not quite as connected as your best friends. Maybe you don't see them as often. Maybe you don't talk as much. Maybe you're not as quite as involved on a daily or weekly basis. Then you have your friends. Now, these are the people that you know their name, um, but maybe that's uh, about it. Like there's some other details about uh, what their spouse's name is or what their kids' names are or, or, or what they do for work. Like some of those details might elude us. And then our acquaintances, these are the people that you see today after church that you've seen their face a hundred times, but you have no idea who they are, all right? Let's just be real. We all have a lot of acquaintances that we don't know much about them at all. Now, what you'll notice is that as the circles get wider, the number of friends or acquaintances uh, grows, okay? So you can only have a few best friends, but acquaintances, we have a lot of them. The other thing is that the the relationships, as it grows wider, the, the relationships grow shallower, Did you see that? So my question to you is this, is as we were going through these circles, the majority of us probably had at least a couple of faces pop in to each of the circles, right? Those faces that pop into your mind as I went through them about your friends all the way down to acquaintances. My question though is this, is when it comes to Jesus, which circle does he fit in in your your life? In your friend circle, what, what circle does he fit in? And just between you and God, I mean, there's no need to, to elaborate or, or to embellish anything, but just honestly, take a look at that. Where, where does he fit? For some of us, we would say, yeah, man, he is like my best friend. He, he's the one I talk to more than anybody else. The, you're like that Irish man on Braveheart who just looks up, hey, yes, father, right? And you just, you're just always in communication with God. For others of us, maybe he's just an acquaintance or maybe he's not even on this board yet. What does it look like for us to be friends of God's. So there's three things in these verses that I just read. There's three things that Jesus tells us in John 15. The first thing is in verse 14. He says this, you are my friends if you do what? I command you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. In a word, what he's talking about here is obedience. Obedience. Now, What I get, what I understand right now is that for some of us, you hear that word and there's a little bit of pushback in your heart, isn't there? There's a little bit of twinge, like, see, I knew it. I knew that this, you say it's a relationship, but really it's just a list of rules like any other religion that all you want to do is just get me to to submit. 
(laughs) All you want to do is give me the surrender and just follow these rules. You see, when it comes to obedience, it, it has a negative connotation in today's world, doesn't it? That there's part of us, there's part of our pride that dies when we, when we obey. That there's part of who we are. You see, we want to be our own person. We want to do what we want. We want to, we want to make our own decisions and we want freedom and, and we don't want oppression. That, that, that we don't want to surrender. We don't want to obey. Let me just ask you this. If, if you had a friend, some of you might have this friend in your life. But if you had a friend who always gave you the best advice... Okay. No matter what it was, no matter what was going on, you went to them and they always gave you 100% sound advice. And you knew it because you put it to the test and you knew that there, were, that there was no uh, ill um, motivations on their part, that they didn't have any sort of bent to it or, or agenda, that, the, that there was nothing wrong with their advice, that every time you went to them, they gave you 100% perfect advice. Would you take it? Of course we would. Why wouldn't we? I mean, we would all love to have that person. That's why the magic eight balls were so great. Like, what should I do? I don't know. Ask me tomorrow. Like, what the heck, right? But if we had the friend that gave us perfect advice, why wouldn't we take it? And here's the thing. When it comes to the commands of Jesus, it's knowing that every command of Jesus is good and right and pure and for your good and for your flourishing and for his glory. You see, I know that when, when it comes to obedience, sometimes it's harder than other times, isn't it? Sometimes Jesus maybe asks us to do something, and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I'll do these other things. But man, I'm not sure about doing this thing. That's a little too much for me, Jesus. I, I'm not sure I can do this. But here's the thing. Jesus says, look, if you obey what I command, you are my friend. Here's the thing about obedience is that the longer we do it, the longer we do it, the easier it becomes. The longer we obey, the easier obedience becomes. Not because it is, becomes a habit, but because you begin to see what Jesus is doing and you actually begin to want the same things that Jesus wants. Paul Waddell says it this way. We who are the children of God are called to become the friends of God in a way of life in which in which all of us together come to love God and all that God loves. You see, what Jesus is inviting us into here is not just blind obedience of a bunch of empty rules. It's obedience in the commands of God that are life-giving, and what happens is that our hearts begin to meld with his. That we begin to want the same things. That we begin to to desire the same things. And the more we begin to to fall in line with what God wants and what he desires, the easier it becomes to obey his commands. I mean, we all know this to be true. When when, When you're talking with someone and on a deep level, you're connected. Right? You, you want the same things. As the longer you talk, the more you realize, like, man, we are of the same heart and mind. Like, we get each other. We, we want the same thing. We are connected on a deep level. We also know the opposite to be true. The longer you talk to your neighbor or your coworker or a friend or, or whoever it is, the longer you talk, the more you realize, man, we, we're not on the same page, right? We don't, we, you don't get me. 
we don't want the same things. We don't value the same things on a deep level. We are on different pages. This is the same thing when it comes to obedience. The longer we obey, the more we connect with wanting the same things that God wants. And as friends, Jesus says, you're my friends if you do what I command, if you obey. The second thing that Jesus points out here is in verse 15. He says this, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. The second thing Jesus points out here is communication. Communication. You see, servants and friends both do the will of the Father. Servants do the will of the Father. Friends do the will of the Father. What's the difference? Jesus says here that servants have no idea what the Father is up to. Friends do. Why? Because Jesus is communicating that to us. You see, communication is the key to all relationships, isn't it? I mean, friends talk, friends hang out, and you know this to be true when it comes to your best friends in that circle, when, when a too long amount of time goes by and you haven't connected and you haven't had those, those conversations about what's up in life. It's like, man, we got to get together and just catch up. We just got to get together and communicate. This is what Jesus is talking about here is, look, my father's up to a lot of things, and my friends know that. My friends know what the father is up to. Dallas Willard <clears throat> says it this way. Spiritual people are not those who engage in certain spiritual practices. They are those who draw their life from a conversational relationship with God. Conversational relationship with God. And it's more than just simply asking him to do things. Don't hear me wrong. He wants us to bring our needs to him. He makes that clear in scripture. He wants us to bring our needs, our desires, the things that we need him to work in. He wants us to bring those to him, but that's not all. He wants to sit on the back patio with you and have a glass of iced tea and just catch up. It's kind of like if you, well, we might know who this, you, you, you all have this person in mind, the, the needy friend, right? That every time you see their name come up on your phone calling you, you think, oh man, what do they need now? Now, no elbowing, okay? If you don't have that person in mind, then you might be that person. I'm just saying, I'm just offering that. I'm not saying that's you. I'm just putting that out there. But man, sometimes I wonder if God is going, why does every time I hear from this person, they just need something? I just want to... I just want to catch up. I just want to talk about what's on my mind. I just want to talk about what's on my heart. I just want to, I just want to talk about the birds or whatever it is. I, want to, I just want to sit and just visit with you. You see, in Psalm 139, it says this, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand, and I awake and I am still with you. What a beautiful picture that the thoughts of God outnumber the sand on the earth. And he wants nothing more than to sit with us and just talk.
talk about what's on his mind. One of the ways I do this, like I said, this is a, a difficult gear for me. I have to intentionally be in this gear. One of the ways that I do that is I'll, I'll find myself just, I'll, I'll go sit outside somewhere at a park, in my backyard, up in the mountains, wherever it is, and I will just sit there and begin to notice. And I'll just begin to notice, like, man, God, what made you think of that flower? God, what made you think of that tree, that bush? Like, God, what made you, how did you paint that sunset? What made you think of that song for that bird? I mean, and just begin to notice and just have some lighthearted conversation. In fact, try this today. If you, have a, if you have difficulty in gear three like I do, try this today. Go find a place outside and, and count how many shades of green you can see from one spot. I bet that you can count over 15 different shades of green and then just have a, a conversation with God about it. Man, look at the creativity, God. You didn't just have to have one shade of green. You had to have like a billion shades of, of green and just, just talk with him about that. But that's what friends do. They communicate. So first, they do what Jesus says. There's obedience. Second, there's communication. And third, in verse 12 and 13, it says this. This is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this then someone lay down his life for his friends. Here's the third one, is that we give ourselves away. That what does it mean to be friends of God is that we live a life of sacrifice. We live a life of giving. We can't assume that we're friends of God if we treat each other badly, if we live greedily, if we live stingy. We, we can't assume that we're friends with God. God's, Jesus says, look, you are my friends if... You love each other the same way that I have loved you, which is giving of yourself, giving away yourself, laying your life down, giving and caring and serving to the point of sacrifice. And you see, this wasn't just talk for Jesus, but he set an example for us, didn't he? Because this is exactly what he did, that he laid down his life for us. Now, there's a huge problem with my sermon and you might be thinking, well, great, we're like 25 minutes into it. What do you mean there's a big problem with your sermon? I've been listening this whole time. And here's the problem with this kind of sermon is that some of us might be hearing it as how to be friends with God. Obey, communicate, and listen, and, and do what he says, and, and sacrifice. But here's the thing. This is not a sermon on how to be friends with God. How do we be friends with God? Romans 5, verse 10, it says this. For since our friendship with God was restored by what? The death of his son. While we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through, his, through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship, our wonderful new friendship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends. You see, we don't become friends of God through our obedience. We don't become friends of God through communicating to him. We don't become friends of God by living sacrificially. Those are all outcome, those are all products of a friendship with God. You see, we become friends with God by the grace of God that was given to us through the death and burial and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. 
That's how we become friends of God. This is what friends of God look like. Do you see the difference? So if you're still wondering, like, how do I become a friend of God? Go back and, and don't listen to this sermon. Because this is what friends of God looks like. How do you become a friends of God? It's simply by responding. It's simply by responding to what he offered to you. The invitation that's open to all mankind. That look, you are enemies of mine. You are condemned before me. But because of my great love for you, because of my great mercy and grace, I've sent my son to die for you so that you can be friends of God. And here's the thing, when we are made friends of God, nothing can change that. Nothing can, can turn that away. Nothing can, can change your status as friends of God. Are, do you need a friend today? Are you at a point where you're like, man, I need to be, I need God as my friend. I need that. Maybe you're not friends with God yet. Maybe some of us here and listening online, maybe you need to make that choice. Maybe you need to respond to his invitation. And that's as simple as what he says in scripture. It's believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, saying with your mouth, confessing it, God, you are God, I need you. God, I, I can't do anything without you. I need your forgiveness. I need, I need you to cleanse me from all of my sin. And he says that he will do it that he's already paid the way. Do you need to become friends with God today? For some of us though, maybe we are friends with God, but maybe, maybe we've neglected this gear for a little while. Maybe you are friends with God, but, but you've neglected gear three. You haven't spent time talking with him. You, you feel distant that, that as friends, you're, you're maybe just acquaintances at this point. What would it look like for you to engage God in gear three? And here's the thing, as we do, we're invited to this amazing invitation of being friends of the creator of the universe. And in that, we get to obey him. We get to, we don't have to, we get to obey him. We get, we get his insight into our world, into our lives, into this crazy world that we're in. We get his voice. We can communicate with him. And we get to follow his example and live a sacrificial life. Man, what an invitation for us. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today. We thank you. Thank you that while we were still far from you, while we were your enemies, before we were your friends, God, you came to us and laid down your life so that we could be your friends, so that we could be brought in as adopted sons and daughters into the fold of, of the kingdom of God. Father, we're so grateful. And Lord, for those who are here today who need to take that first step, God, those who are, who are here today and hearing these words, God, who want to put their faith in you for the first time, Father, we thank you that your word says that, God, that you are, are good and that you are faithful and that when we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that you are God, that you God, that you adopt us, that you bring us in. Father, that you are faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us. God, we, we thank you for that, and we need that. God, for others of us who are maybe far from you today, and you are there waiting in gear three, waiting to just sit on the back porch and enjoy time with us. God, may we carve that out. More, may, may we be intentional about 
enjoying you and being friends of God. Father, we thank you for it. And it's in your good name we pray. Amen. If you maybe prayed that prayer for the first time, if you made a decision today to, man, I want to put my faith in Jesus, do not wait. But today, text the name Jesus to this number on the screen. And someone here at our church on staff will be back in touch with you to talk with you through that. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till this afternoon. Right now, pull out your phone and simply text the name Jesus. We want to celebrate with you about what this new step in life looks like for you. All right? Every weekend, we take time to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. His bread, the bread that represents his body and the cup that represents his blood. And the reason why we do this is because he is the one who set the example and laid down his life for you and for me. So as we get ready to partake in the bread and the cup, we're just going to take a few moments of quiet reflection and we're just going to reflect on where am I at with God? What is my connection with God like right now? Is he an acquaintance? What does it look like to engage him as my friend? Let's do that right now. It's on that night when Jesus was betrayed and arrested that he took the bread and the cup. And he said, whenever you eat of this bread, remember my body broken for you to make you my friends. Let's remember together. And then taking the cup, he said, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin for the whole world, for all who believe. Let's remember together. Friends, we're going to stand and, and sing in response to God and his goodness to us. If you'd like prayer, we're going to have people over here who'd love to pray with you, or you can click the prayer button online. All right, let's stand together.